welcome to Ringside Chaos, the professional wrestling discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. The only professional wrestling podcast in the world where pro wrestling is discussed passionately, with confidence, with great knowledge, and most of all, in the most sophisticated way. So brace yourselves, ladies and gentlemen, because chaos is about to be unleashed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Ringside Chaos, the professional wrestling discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. I am Alex Alcazaz, a.k.a. the Bear of Texas. And ladies and gentlemen, today we celebrate the birthday of the late, great Eddie Guerrero. You know, honestly, it was just honestly a few hours ago that I was actually aware that today is Eddie Guerrero's birthday. And honestly, now that I have my own pro- professional wrestling uh, podcast, you know, I really look, I really thought about the opportunity of doing an episode, not only to wish the legend, the late legend, a happy birthday, but to take some time to give my thoughts on the on the legend's career. And and honestly, I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna do it because you know Eddie Guerrero. To say that he's a legend, that he's a pioneer. An influence in the pro wrestling business, they're all understatements. I mean, quite frankly, every single positive compliment and accolade that he has achieved and everything that he has done that has positively positively impacted the pro wrestling business, they're all understatements. Eddie Guerrero being a legend, not only in WWE, but in the world of pro wrestling overall, is just yet an understatement. <sighs> Honestly, I personally just cannot express the admi- the admiration, my appreciation for everything that Latino hit. Excuse me, Latino Heat did in his career. You know, as I got older, and when I kind of became the pro wrestling fan that really wanted to learn everything about the business, not just be the wrestling fan that was watching and following what was going on day to day. But be the well-educated wrestling fan, the very passionate, educated wrestling fan. I mean, learning about Eddie Guerrero was really, truly one of the biggest objectives that I had. Not only from a professional journalism standpoint, but quite frankly, from a personal standpoint. You know, watching that episode of Dark, Dark Side of the Ring, man, man, oh man, oh man. It was it was tough. I mean, watching that episode of Dark Side of the Ring, because you know, also it involves you know Chris Benoit. The whole situation was just absolutely mind-boggling. You, you just learn about the career of Eddie Guerrero. You know, in his time in Japan, his training. I mean, th- there's just a lot of things about Eddie Guerrero. I mean, I'll never forget he released that book. I believe in 2005, which I did read. You know, Eddie Guerrero's life, his career, his the demons and everything. It's all just super well documented, and I'm telling you, I mean, Eddie Guerrero really, I actually spent time going on YouTube to actually watching some of his promos, some of his funny moments and everything like that. I mean, he was just a pure entertainer, absolutely unique. I mean, honestly, like like I said, I can say everything I can say, but anything I say about Eddie Guerrero as far as... The compliments and everything like that, they're just, everything's not, is an understatement because, you know, 
He was absolutely brilliant. I mean, he had it all. The talent, the technique, the promo skills. I mean, everything. Honestly, just one of the absolute greatest technical wrestlers in history. In history, ladies and gentlemen. Man, oh man, oh man. Watching Eddie Guerrero wrestle and entertain everybody. I just cannot tell you how much of an amazing blessing it was. And it's still a blessing today to go on YouTube and watch all the great stuff that he did. Oh, man. Rest in peace, Eddie. You are so missed, my friend. Sometimes, I, you know... Talking to all these wrestling fans, especially you know with with Mexican wrestling fans, especially those from you know from Texas and El Paso, who wrestling fans they they bring up the Guerrero family. I mean, they talk about Eddie, but they also mention his brothers Mondo Chavo and Hector. I mean, the Guerrero family, of course, Gory Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero's father. I mean, the the Guerrero wrestling family legacy is just so well documented, and I've actually watched some film of the matches, and I'm telling you, the Guerrero wrestling family is just ugh, man. You really just truly see a lot of great a pioneering family in the world of pro wrestling. So you really you really see it from a, not just you know as a wrestling fan perspective, but as a fan that wants to be educated, that wants to learn and and learning and watching a lot from the Guerrero family. It's you know it's just absolutely incredible. So going you know in the life and career of Eddie Guerrero, you know he grew up in a born and raised in El Paso, Texas. Um. I, be, I believe he began his career, I'm not entirely sure when he started training. I believe his debut, I believe, was in around the mid-80s. I think it was in 1986, if I'm correct. You know, I think he was attending um, the University of New Mexico on an athletic scholarship, and he, he was a collegiate wrestler. And then I think it was from that that he decided to uh, follow in the footsteps of his dad and his brothers... So he decided to move to Mexico to train as a professional wrestler. So, you know, like, of course, so he was the son of Gori Guerrero, a legendary wrestler and promoter. So, honestly, it, it was only fitting that he was going to really follow into the, in, in the footsteps again of his dad and his brothers and, you know, and really go into the wrestling business. So, so I believe um, he started in a, in a, in a promotion... I believe it's called Consejo Mundial de Lucha Libre, which he, which uh, he was there for several years. And then after that, he, he actually made the move to uh, Mexico's top uh, wrestling promotion, Asistencia, Asesoria y Administración, which, as we know, is AAA. So, yeah, so Eddie Grail kind of really started at the bottom, worked his way up. You know, him going to tr working at AAA from 92 to 95. You know, he, he was really, uh, um, you know, honing his craft, and then he did have a, a stint with ECW, I believe, in 1995, but, you know, he was really honing his craft, I mean, and then eventually, you know, he, he goes to New Japan, but, you know, he was also working in New Japan while he was with uh, AAA, so I think, you know, during that time, New Japan and AAA had that working relationship, you know, kind of like the days of the territory, so, you know, AAA and New Japan, I mean, I, I think they've had a a business relationship for God knows how long. I believe they still have a relationship, you know, today because numerous uh, talent that works for uh, Asistencia, Asesoria y Administración, a lot of those talent actually work in Japan and then a lot of the, the Japanese uh, talent in New Japan, I think, spend time working for AAA. So it, it's all like the days of the National Wrestling Alliance and 
And I think the working relationship between AAA in Mexico and New Japan in, in Japan is certainly cool. I, I think uh, Andrade, you know, before he went to WWE, he, uh, we, we, I think he worked, uh, I think he wrestled under the name La Sombra. He worked, he was working uh, for AAA and then he had made numerous, uh, appearances in japan so so as part of the partnership you know him being signed under contract with triple a he he also worked in japan so it just kind of shows how these relationships really help wrestlers you know develop i mean you have a lucha libre talent working in a, in a new japan working for new japan and of course the japanese strong style is a different style of wrestling than the lucha libre style i mean you, it kind of gives these wrestlers kind of like an understanding and i think all these wrestlers can combine lucha libre and, Ch and japanese strong style if that's even possible and it's really something unique between uh, Asistencia Asesoria y Administración along with New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, I think during his time with ECW, I think, if I remember correctly, Guerrero actually did win the ECW World Television Championship, which I believe was, his, was in his debut match. According to my notes, it was on April of 19, 1995. He won the title in a three-way dance, and he beat, he, in the two, he beat Two Cold Scorpio, Although I do forget who also was in the match, but but he eventually lost the title to Dean Malenko. You know, Dean Malenko, another talent, you know, that worked with Eddie Guerrero for so many years. You know, to, from WCW to you know to the WWE. So 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 it, it was all great. So so you know, so eventually, I, I think you know that's how he made his way to world to world championship wrestling. But according to my research. Eddie Guerrero had actually worked before for uh, WCW. I think in 89 he appeared there as an enhancement talent. and He worked a match with Terry Funk. And then he also appeared, uh, I think, in 91, according to my research, you know, in a dark match. So so he wasn't there full-time. It was just an appearance, you know, to kind of, like, learn, I guess, make connections and all like and all that. So, so this was during the time when he was working, you know, the first time he was still working for Consejo Mundial de Lucha Libre. So... So Eddie Guerrero basically paid his dues, you know, worked his way up and everything like that. I mean, you know, that's how it works in the wrestling business. You, know, you get the opportunities, you make the most of them. So, so I believe it was in uh, in '95 when he actually signed with a with WCW full time. Um, I, I believe you know he was actually worked for a t for a little bit. He worked uh, alongside uh, Alex Wright. Um, and I believe his first pay per view appearance was. Uh, was when he was in that 60-man World War III Battle Royal, which was for the vacant WCW World Heavyweight title. So, I don't, I really honestly don't know, I didn't really know so much about Eddie Guerrero's days in WCW, at least not his early years. Um, and I, I, I believe, though, know, in December of 95, when WCW hosted, like, a World Cup tournament, like, it was WCW versus New Japan Pro Wrestling. So... Yeah, so, 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 you, so you kind of basically see how all these, like, promotions were really working together back then. And, you know, even today, you, you kind of see that still. It's also, like, I guess, from, um, excuse me, again, from the days of the NWA. So, so it was really good to see Eddie Guerrero just bounce bounce around these promotions, uh, honing his craft, you know, really getting his name out there and like that. So, so I think it was around, you know, 1996, I think, when his career with WCW would supposedly kind of, like, you know, begin to grow. You know, I think in '96 uh, he was actually uh, he was put in the U.S. Uh, heavyweight title hunt, and I believe he had like he challenged Conan several times. So, and he had that feud with Ric Flair and the Horseman, I believe, also in '96. So, 
and I believe also he had that he had a feud with you know Diamond Dallas Page. So, so yeah, so Guerrero, I think for most of '96, he was basically you know in in the title picture for the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship, and he did actually eventually win that title. I believe it was at in Starcade, and which was in December of of 1996. So, so eventually he did. So and then and then after that, you know, I think not long after there was that. The thing the feud with with Chris Jericho and of course Eddie Guerrero and Chris Jericho knew each other very very well. I think you know from Japan, Mexico, and WCW. I mean Guerrero and Chris Jericho, you know, hell of a journey together. So I mean, I I think basically it kind of corresponds as to why I consider Chris Jericho and Eddie Guerrero one of, one of my two of my ultimate favorite wrestlers of all time. I mean, again Jericho and Guerrero did it all together, man, and what a blessing. So. So after the his time as the U.S. Uh, heavyweight champion, I think Jer- uh, excuse me, I think Guerrero. That's when he kind of like moved into WCW's cruiserweight division. And that's where his feud with Chris Jericho kind of started. It, w- it was over the WCW cruiserweight championship, which um, he eventually did beat Jericho. I believe, Jericho, and then dropped the belt to Rey Mysterio Jr. at, at a Halloween Havoc event, which was a, in the match was a title versus mask. So. Yeah, and and and, and Rey Mysterio has actually spoken about the match before, so yeah, so so he kind of had that feud with Rey Mysterio Jr. He did eventually regain the cruiserweight title, and then and then eventually like and then eventually lost that the title I think to Ultimo Dragon. So so it's time the cruiserweight division. I mean, I've I've watched you know the, the cruiserweight matches in WCW. You know, he had Psychosis, Juventud Guerrera. Dean Malenko, Jericho, you know, I mean, a, a lot of brilliant talents. You know, Alex Wright, I believe. I believe Alex Wright was also part of the cruiserweight division. So, a lot of a lot of unique talents. So, you know, so, so that, that's that's why I really asked myself. It, it's a, it's a shame that you know how things had to go with WCW because Guerrero, make no mistake about it, was absolutely popular. So. You know, I, I think eventually, like, around, um, he was around there for so long, and because he was successful and popular, I think Guerrero was, was one of many uh, wrestlers that was frustrated because he was never given a main event push, so, you, you know, it, it's a shame because, you know, a, a lot of wrestlers, you know, Conan gave an interview one time, and I think a lot of wrestlers will say, like, you know, a lot of these, especially these wrestlers like Conan, Guerrero, Mysterio, you know, they never really got these main event runs because of the backstage politics. You know, backstage politics is a huge problem in professional wrestling today. That's been a problem for so long. It's, you know, backstage politics, you know, egos, you know, wrestlers, you know, being part of the booking committee, mainly saying, like, you know, letting the inmates run the asylum. I mean, it's tough. It's, it, it, it is. But, of course, you know, you can't... I understand not everybody can be pushed, but... But a lot of wrestlers that believe that they are that they can be a, a good main eventer, of course, they feel like they've worked hard. They, they should be rewarded for it. So, and of course, I think there's that story when Guerrero kind of had like an argument with uh, Eric Bischoff, who was WC pre- WCW president. I think, from what I understand, is Guerrero told Bischoff to either give him a push or to give him a raise because you know for for family reasons. I I, I would imagine, but. Apparently, uh, they couldn't come to an agreement, so... 
So I think you know I think the Guerrero you know demanded his release, which you know I think did happen you know eventually. So, but eventually you know that's how uh, Eddie Guerrero you know made his way to uh, to the WWE, which of course at the time was world was the World Wrestling Federation. He had basically I think he had debuted in January of two thousand along with Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, and Perry Saturn. They were actually I think they 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 were known as the Radicals. And I believe uh, I believe they made their debut when they interfered in a match with the New Age Outlaws. So, but you know, from during that time, of course, I remember you know he, that storyline that he was involved with 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 China, the late China. I, I remember that storyline. You know, he uh, you know had that feud with, with Jericho over the European Championship. Did win the the uh, Intercontinental Title I think a few times. So. So, so during that time, yeah, Eddie Guerrero really did actually ha- was out there in in the Attitude Era. But you know, when we remember how he was, you know, uh, during that time, you know, his uh, his demons and his addictions were really like you know coming to light. And I believe in two thousand one, the World Wrestling Entertainment they they sent Eddie Guerrero to rehab. But I think he, I think during that time, he also was arrested for for drunk driving, which which you know. Ended up him being released, but I think but I think it was during that time, you know, according to the stories, that it was an addiction to pain medication from a car accident. So, then again, it was actually yeah, in May of 2001, he was sent to rehab. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was tough. I know. And, and speaking of that, you know, J- Jim Ross recently, there's been a story according to. Um, this particular source, according to RingsideNews.com, Jim Ross actually said that firing Eddie Guerrero was the toughest decision of his entire career. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I just can't imagine, you know, how brutal it was. But, but you know, Eddie Guerrero re- returned to the, you know, went to the indie circuit, and of course, he he worked the first ever uh, Ring of Honor show. He worked a match with Super Crazy, and then you know he, I think he also worked, you know, a, a little bit overseas as well. So. And then he had a, I think he had a, br- a brief, uh, a brief, re- a brief stint with, uh, with New Japan again before he was brought back to the WWE. And of course, you know that's where the the Los Guerreros thing came to play, and that was amazing, you know. And then you know during that time, you know he, he's a, a little bit of a singles push is happening, and you know, he becomes the U.S. champion. And and I'll never forget uh, that feud, that feud with the Big Show, which of course you know if, if you remember correctly, there was that that. That particular stunt when when Guerrero you know gave Big Show some burritos which were laced with laxatives and then of course that sewage truck, I mean that's really where we started to see the you know a, a lot of the, the funny stuff and you know of course him with you know him being paired up with his nephew Chavo you know they were, that's where the lie cheat and steal I think kind of came to play. So I mean I I, I I this is where the nostalgic is just so freaking overwhelming but you know. I think like during that time, the thing with the Big Show, then um, of course you know he he would lose the U.S. title to Big Show at No Mercy. Then four days later, he and his brother, excuse me, Los Guerreros, lost the titles to the, to the Basham brothers, and and that's actually where the, where um, where Chavo and Guerrero, where Chavo and Eddie were basically going to start that split before Eddie Guerrero was was going to start his main event run. So. Yeah, I mean that match, the Royal Rumble of two thousand four, when Eddie Guerrero defeated Chavo. Man, <laughs> that the match itself was great, but after what Eddie after what Eddie Guerrero did after the match, I mean, <laughs> that was that was you know pretty that was pretty cool. So, 
So, of course, you guys know, remember the 2004 Royal Rumble, like that, you know, Chris Benoit wanted, but then joined the Raw brand. And then uh, they did this thing on SmackDown, you know, that they had a 15-man Royal Rumble match. This was January 20- 29th of 2004. I mean, I remember watching that when I was a kid, you know, I was 11 years old. And watch- and I was like, the fact that we're going to have a Royal Rumble on SmackDown, I was like, wow, because back then, I didn't get to watch the pay-per-views. Which was, you know, a sh- it's a shame, really, so... Honestly. <laughs> so, that 15-man Royal Rumble match, I remember it very well. Eddie Guerrero winning it. I thought th- that was absolutely amazing. Challenging Brock Lesnar at No Way Out. The build-up to that match. Man. <laughs> that match, Brock Lesnar versus Eddie Guerrero at No Way Out. One of the greatest matches I had ever seen. And WrestleMania 20, his match with Kurt Angle. Just, oh, man. An absolute brilliant classic. And the finish of that match with Eddie Guerrero and Kurt Angle. Eddie Guerrero, you know, loosening that boot. And then, like, I mean, I'm telling you, that that was just pure entertainment. I mean, Eddie Guerrero and Kurt Angle did an absolutely a fantastic job. You know, he pulls, you know, he, he gets the boot pulled off. And then, you know, he puts Kurt Angle in a small package and wins. And, and then, of course, you know, after the main event at WrestleMania 20, when Eddie Guerrero embraced his good friend Chris Benoit, after Chris Benoit had just won the World Heavyweight title. I mean, that moment, Eddie Guerrero and Benoit, man, those two close friends for so long. I mean, you talk about Jericho and Eddie Guerrero being very close friends, but, you know, Benoit and Guerrero also being extremely, extremely close. Man, that was one moment that everybody still to this day, wrestling fans still talk about to this day, Guerrero and Benoit in the ring celebrating after the main event of WrestleMania 20. There was no better way, and I do mean there was absolutely no better way that the show could have ended. So, Eddie Guerrero being WWE Champion was just one of the greatest things I had ever seen. So, and then, you know, of course, when, you know, JBL, you know, took the title from Guerrero, personally, in my honest, personally, it got to me because I loved Eddie Guerrero being champion. Then, you know, for so many years, you know, late years after it was revealed why Eddie Guerrero dropped the belt, you know, I'm not going to say it right here, but but his reasons why, I do totally understand. But, you know, Eddie Guerrero was still in the main event picture, so, so you know, that, that was great, so I, I still loved it. Of course, SummerSlam, Kurt Angle versus Eddie Guerrero in that WrestleMania rematch. You know, this was actually the storyline when, when Kurt Angle... You know, had that in, that injury storyline. And that's when Kurt Angle, believe it or not, was the general manager of SmackDown. And I think Kurt Angle, they made him the general manager of SmackDown because um, he actually... Kurt Angle was once again suffering from legitimate neck issues. So, like that. So, so once... Um, I guess once Kurt Angle was cleared to wrestle again, they, they continued the feud. Although Kurt Angle was still feuding with Guerrero as general manager. But I guess WWE management decided to finish it like that. So... SummerSlam, Guerrero, you know, and, and Angle, like that. Absolutely amazing, so. Well, I mean, I'm telling you, going through this career right you know, right now, I mean, take the time, you know, of course, you know, to celebrate the life and career of the late, great Eddie Guerrero. I mean, I'm, I'm having a great time, you know, going through his career, you know, kind of like that, you know, doing all my research, watching so much film to do this episode. Man. You know, 2005, you know, I was like, you know, somehow I, I had hopes that, you know, with Guerrero still in the main event that, you know, we would still see be something huge. You know, throughout 2004, he was still pursuing the title. 
So, like that, so, you know, the Royal Rumble 2005, he entered number one, lasted 28 minutes. You know, and then after that, you know, he was, like, teaming with Rey Mysterio, and they would they would win the, the tag team, the WWE Tag Team Championships. And, you know, WrestleMania 21, Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio, it was actually the opening bout, and... It, it was an absolute. It, it was an absolute classic, and I'll be honest. You know how Eddie Guerrero reacted after losing the match. You know, I mean, he was like visibly frustrated, but he still, you know, still shook hands. That told me that you know I have a feeling that Eddie Guerrero. This is the start of a buildup for a heel turn, and then the next several weeks, you know, after there was miscommunications with Guerrero and Mysterio when they lost the WWE Tag Team Championship. I mean. I mean, you tell me there was like they were really building it up for Eddie Guerrero to have another heel turn. So, and of course, May fifth, two thousand five, when Eddie Guerrero supposedly saved Mysterio from an attack. You know, Eddie Guerrero turned heel and attacked Mysterio. I mean, I mean, we saw, we saw, we remember that segment. You know, he attacking Mysterio the way he did. I mean, you know, not to mention you know that clothesline he gave Mysterio to stop the attack. I mean, Dominic, when he turned heel not long ago on his dad, I mean, it was very similar to it. It was very similar to how Eddie Guerrero did it. So, whew, man, that was just, that was actually Eddie Guerrero's first heel turn, I think, in, in about two years. So, but, you know, that promo that next week, you know, why he, he did, why, why he did what he did to Rey Mysterio. I mean, I'm telling you, that promo Eddie Guerrero cut Amazing. <sighs> but of course, during that time, you know, his heel turn, you know, the the, um, me, the low riders, you know, to the ring, which, you know, I didn't, even, I didn't even talk about that. Yeah, of course, you know, the huge part of Eddie Guerrero was the low riders being driven to the ring. That actually all stopped. And I'm telling you, Eddie Guerrero's like heel turn during that time, especially that feud with Rey Mysterio. It was an absolute classic. I mean,. Of course, you know, eventually uh, Dominic, you know, got involved. You know, Dominic at the time, I believe, was eight years old. So, of course, you know, there was that match. You know, it eventually led up to a SummerSlam in 2005. But as far as that storyline, there was it involved a secret about Mysterio and Dominic and involved, you know, both the families. So, of course, that secret was not to be revealed. There was that match they had at the Great American Bash that if Mysterio beats Guerrero, then... If that Guerrero w w would have to agree to not reveal the secret, but Guerrero went on to do it anyway. And I think as part of the story is that Guerrero told Dominic the audience that, you know, I remember telling you, he says, Dominic Ray is not your father, I am. That, that's where the whole I'm your poppy, I mean, we'll never forget that t-shirt, I'm your poppy, came out. So, of course, part of that angle was called Eddie's Bedtime Stories, where he, he would kind of read a chapter every week and then... Like that, something like that. So, so eventually, you know, it, it lunched, excuse me, it eventually led to a match at SummerSlam 2005, the latter match for the custody of Dominic, which Mysterio won. And then, I think, and then after that, a, a few days later, Guerrero and Mysterio had a steel cage match, and Guerrero won. I mean, the, that whole feud, honestly, was also escalated for the fact that Guerrero could not beat Rey Mysterio. I mean, I, I should mention that as well. So. So it was, it was pretty interesting. So Guerrero had finally, you know, beaten Mysterio in a steel cage match. And then I think Guerrero briefly disappeared from television. But, but you know, the heel turn, but then the, the heel turn, you know, ended pretty quickly because 
shortly after that, you know, I think you know, as part of the storyline, when Guerrero beat Rey Mysterio, he kind of like finally had done it. And then not long after that, Guerrero was put back in the world title picture. Now, Batista, who had, who had been world champion at the time, had moved, had been moved to SmackDown. So, so all of a sudden, Theodore, well, if I remember, Theodore Long was in the ring. I think he was... I would have I would have sworn he was going to announce Mysterio as, as the contender, but then Theodore Long's uh, assistant during that time was a dude named Palmer Cannon, and he like just grabs the mic and then says it, and then announces that Eddie Guerrero's the uh, the number one contender, and then Guerrero comes out like looking a bit different, you know, like that. And Batista was in the ring too, and then Guerrero would like kind of say you know, he wants to be friends with Batista, and then like that, and then. It, it, it was really uh, an interesting storyline. I mean, you know, we were kind of thinking, you know, is Eddie Guerrero's heel turn going to continue? But eventually Guerrero did actually turn, become a face again. So, like that, because I think part of the storyline, Batista was really trying to see if what Eddie Guerrero was up to. And then, of course, at No Mercy, Batista beat Guerrero for the title. And, of course, during that match, Guerrero, there's there a spot in the match where Guerrero would... would, would struggled the decision of whether to use a chair or cheat or and cheat or not but Guerrero did not actually cheat the match and lost the, and lost the match cleanly you know of course but and, and lost it without even trying to cheat so it was a uh, yeah so so that that basically indicated that Eddie, Eddie Guerrero was basically becoming a face again so so Eddie Guerrero in that storyline with Batista was was definitely entertaining it was definitely great and that's what, that that's what the toughest part you know right now is coming up you know i believe his last match on smackdown ever was that match against mr kennedy where he won by disqualification so man it, it, it. See, this is where I'm starting. To, this is really, really, really where it's difficult, you know. As part of the face turn again, you know, Guerrero did start, you know, driving the low rider uh, to the to the ring again with Batista. He would regularly team with Batista, so Guerrero being faced again was huge. And and part of the thing is, I like to say, is that you know, he a short heel turn is never really a good thing. It usually doesn't work, but but in Guerrero's case, that short heel turn, it was great, you know. And, and, and then they brought him back to being a face. The right way, it absolutely worked, and and then uh, unfortunately, he Guerrero tragically passed away. You know, it's been said that the night that he that he passed away, he was actually booked to win the title that night. I, I think they were going to have a match between Guerrero, Batista, and Randy Orton in a triple threat match, and it was heavily, strongly insisted for so long that Guerrero was going to be booked to win the title that night. But I think Batista went on to de- deny it, like denied it in his book, I believe. But I don't know. I mean, Guerrero was scheduled to work at, at the upcoming Survivor Series, but but you know it, it didn't happen. So oh, that that day in, in Minneapolis, man. I mean, that show, the beginning, you know, the 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 ten uh, the ten ring toll tribute. It was tough, you know, the story, you know, of course, you know, Guerrero's nephew at the time, Chavo, who was working the Kerwin White gimmick, I mean, the Kerwin White gimmick was immediately dropped, he went back to his Chavo name, and Chavo became a face, you know, Ray, and then Rey Mysterio got his main event push, you know, of course, that feud with Randy Orton that helped build that feud, I mean, 
they 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 really kept it going and and they did a good job and, and I think Chavo Guerrero has explained you know that you know I, I think there was like some speculation that they should cancel the show that day but I think Chavo said that Eddie Guerrero would not have wanted it you know it it, it was just so tough man you know and I, and I was only you know twelve years old you know when when uh, Eddie Guerrero passed away so. And seeing those storylines, and then the storylines after that, you know, eventually, you know, and then you know that feud later in two thousand six between Chavo and Ray and Chavo and Ray Mysterio that eventually included, you know, Eddie Guerrero's widow. Yeah, so th so they kept they kept the storyline going, you know. Of course, you know, mentioning Eddie, you know, the late great Eddie Guerrero. Guerrero was inducted in the hall in the Hall of Fame, you know, sh you know that Hall of Fame in two thousand six. You know, inducted posthumously by Chavo and. Um, well, yeah, by Chavo, Mysterio, and Benoit. So, it was it, it, you know, his death was just so badly unexpected. It affected the entire wrestling business as well as the fan base. I mean, it, it, it was brutal. So, so his status as a legend. I mean, Guerrero is not just a WWE Hall of Famer. I mean, he's a AAA assista, you know, the Asistencia Asociada y Administración Hall of Famer, a Hall of Famer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. I mean, Guerrero is a legend. I mean, he's a uh, legend in wrestling overall. So, nothing, nothing can change that. So, oh, man, this is tough, but. But me taking the time to really talk about his career, you know, to this is finally my opportunity to really pay a major amount of tribute to the late great Eddie Guerrero because, quite frankly, I I never had an opportunity to do this. I mean, this is why I spent some so much time in this episode, kind of giving, you know, taking going on a journey throughout his career, you know, mentioning the moments, of course, the moments that I remember very well on SmackDown and everything. So, oh, you know, and, and sometimes you know. Uh, Speaking of these moments, you know, I don't even know why I didn't mention it. I'll never forget when he hijacked JBL's limo or when Kurt Angle attempted to steal Eddie Guerrero's lowrider, but then something sprayed Kurt Angle right in the face. Uh, you know, <laughs> or, or, or that one time when he, when he took the wheels off of JBL's limo. <laughs> oh, my God. So many hilarious Guerrero moments. I mean, I lie, I cheat, I steal. I, I I'm just so grateful, and you know, right now I I just want to I just want to go back and watch some of those funny moments because you know right now I, I'm just emotional. I'm actually teared up right now because, again, I, I cannot tell y'all how much I admired, I loved, and appreciated Eddie Guerrero for all he has done in the pro wrestling business. He's a legend. He's still in our heart. We haven't forgotten. Nobody will ever forget him. Everything he did will be talked about for the rest of eternity, ladies and gentlemen, I can assure you. And once again, I'd like to wish the late, great Eddie Guerrero a happy birthday and to thank him for everything that he has done for the wrestling business and to personally thank the Guerrero family. Ladies and gentlemen, Ringside Chaos is available to you on all streaming platforms including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Thank you all very, very much for joining me this evening, and you all have a good night.